0: So Pop Season 4 Episode 7 Hello And welcome to Tesol Pop. My name is Laura, and joining me today again to talk about teaching young learners is teacher trainer Kevin Clare. Listeners of the show will remember Kevin from season two, episodes three and four, when he talked about teaching young learners online and TEFL qualifications. Since 2009, Kevin has worked in a range of different settings, teaching adults, teenagers, and notably young learners in Australia, Daqing, Guangzhou, and Hong Kong. He has worked in language centres as a director of studies and in various roles in international schools. Kevin focuses on training teachers for kindergarten and secondary school level and is course director for several Trinity College London courses in Hong Kong. Welcome to the show, Kevin. Thank you, Laura. In this episode, we'll look at key things to focus on when working with young learners and ways in which we can build our teaching skills. Of course, today's episode focuses on teaching tips and potential teacher development options. As always, when working with people under the age of 18 or vulnerable adults, you need to make sure you have your documents and safeguarding checks in place. When I started teaching young learners, I taught predominantly older primary and teens in a language centre. When I think back to my first year, it was busy, energetic, fun, fast-paced and really tiring, to, to be honest. I spent a lot of my lesson preparation time creating new materials, cutting up things and thinking of new ways to keep my learners engaged and needless to say, it was not sustainable as I was exhausted by the weekend and the end of my first year of teaching young learners. I wanted to share this with you to see if you had a similar experience. Were you the same when you started out or have you heard of similar stories from your your trainee teachers?
1: Oh, yes. Well, my language center days started out quite similarly to yours. I remember being absolutely exhausted at the end of a weekend, those Saturday and Sunday teaching days where you would start your first lesson at nine o'clock and you would have lessons right up until 12.30. And at 1.30, you're back in the classroom and you're there till six. Uh, And you've got to keep smiling. You've got to stay energetic. And you've got a classroom full of 12 little children jumping up and down, wanting your attention. Uh, Yeah, there were days where you just really didn't want to do it. Uh, And on top of that, you also had parents, clients, demonstrations that you had to do interviews, you had to plan lessons, you had to go and adapt things. It just it got pretty intense. Um, And then of course, you had some lesson planning time during the week. But when you're exhausted, you don't really want to do a lot of that. So it became quite challenging and burnout happened quite a lot. And in a language center, it's quite difficult to secure lots of annual leave to go away for a long time. And you do not get the same school holidays that you get in a school. So yeah, it very, very challenging. And I remember how hard that was. But I also remember the best advice I got from one of my managers when I invariably complained a lot about being tired. Um, You create yourself a task bank, and you create a lot of ready to go things that take minimal time to put together. And... You create templates for yourself so that if you have any kind of craft-based activity, it's something that you can very quickly put together or always get the teaching assistants to help you with stuff. A lot of people never really realized how much you can have support from your teaching assistant, especially when it comes to cutting things out. It takes a lot of time if one person does it, but if the two of you get onto it together, you create a little production line and everything is done in minutes. But you also want to think about uh, making sure that you've planned extensively during the week. Smart planning, not just slogging through meticulous lesson planning. You adapt a lot of materials, and you reuse a lot of things, and you kind of create your own mini syllabus for each course that you do. You also want to make lessons communicative. This saves you a lot of time. If a lot of your tasks revolve learners talking to each other and working together, there's actually a lot more downtime in the classroom for you as a teacher because rather than trying to keep pouring in lots of energy, you're spending a lot more time monitoring the learners, talking to them, working with them, taking down notes and assessing them as you go along rather than standing up there frantically trying to get them to jump around and play games. They're actually learning and you're letting them learn. And this is something that beginner teachers often don't realize. I remember myself. I spent so much time trying to push these kids to get them to do things that I'd exhaust myself. But the more experience I got and the more communication that happened in a lesson, the more relaxed I was because the learners were doing the learning and I was doing the facilitating rather than me just frantically trying to cram knowledge into their heads.
0: That's really good advice, like the recyclable activities, asking others for support. I definitely didn't ask my uh, teaching assistant for enough support, actually, on reflection when you were talking about that. You mentioned quite a few things there. And I wonder, overall, then, what should young learner teachers prioritize in their teaching and why?
1: I can't overstate enough the importance of three C's that I want to have in any good lesson. And that's collaboration, communication and curiosity. If you get those three right, your lessons are going to be an absolute dream. Obviously, kids are kids, things are going to be unpredictable, so always be prepared for that. But if there's collaboration, they're going to be working together, they're going to be learning together, and it's actually going to be developing a lot more skills than just the language you're trying to teach in the lesson. Collaboration leads to a lot of communication, and the learners have to practice the language you're teaching to be able to do that. Now, often... Teachers are a bit hesitant with this because in many language centers, all the learners speak the same language and they'll go and start speaking their first language rather than English. The best way to deal with this is to actually participate in the lesson with the learners and ask them lots of questions. They will be a lot more motivated to then speak English to you and to each other because they know that you're interested in what they have to say. And then finally, curiosity. Make your lessons interesting. If the learners are discovering something new in the lesson, they're going to be motivated, they're going to put a lot more work in, and um, you're going to have a lot more success than just following the course book word for word and step by step. If you bring in something fun, interesting, and engaging, the learners will be a lot happier. And then other things that you want to prioritize, and I've mentioned some of these already. Listen to your learners. They will have so much stuff to say, and quite often with little kids, they'll say things that are quite uh, mundane. But to them, it's not. To them, it's an exciting discovery. Listen and respond all the time. Bring in a sense of fun. Don't be the serious teacher. Obviously, you want to have boundaries and routines, but bring your enthusiasm to the classroom, and then you must have routine. Routine makes learners feel safe, makes the lessons a bit more predictable. And um, if you have routine, the learners will know what to do, and they're not going to act out.
0: That's lots of really good advice in those tips you've just shared when you were saying about listening to your learners, often when I've asked learners a question and I've given them thinking time and we've just paused mm-hmm. and slowed down, they've said the most remarkable things.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And if they know that you're listening, they're going to be speaking English in class.
0: You knew when you mentioned like when they do collaborate, they do tend to maybe slip into using um, other languages that they may speak. Yeah. Is it okay anyway if learners are using languages if they're still on task, surely?
1: Oh yeah, you don't want to panic um, if they start speaking first language in the classroom, this is normal, that the, the learners are communicating. A lot of teachers will often turn around and chant, no Chinese, if that's the common language in the classroom. You don't want to tell a learner that their language is unimportant because this is part of their identity and development. But you can encourage learners to speak English by, like I said, participating with them and they need to know that you're listening. But if they need to talk to each other in their own language for a little while to develop a concept or explain something a bit better, that's absolutely fine. As long as it's not the entire lesson taken up with them speaking their own language.
0: Exactly, if they're using it to complete a task and understand something, then I think it's a wonderful thing to celebrate that and to reward it as well. Like That could be a really interesting reflection.
1: But also what's what's very important is understanding that it is quite natural to use your first language when thinking about a concept or developing an idea. This is why I always encourage teachers to learn another language because then they will understand exactly how their learners feel in the classroom. And they will be a lot more sensitive to the needs of the learners and will probably spend a lot less time jumping up and down, telling them to stop speaking their own language.
0: To close then, how can young learner teachers identify where they can grow their teaching skills and what are some of the ways in which they can do that?
1: The first way teachers can grow their skills and uh, know what they want to do and learn new things is right in their workplace. The fastest way to grow is to work with other colleagues when you're planning lessons. Uh, Group planning, I think is a very effective method to learn new teaching skills, come up with new ideas, try something else out. uh, And if you've got more experienced colleagues, you learn so much from them. Uh, One of the schools I worked in had a very strict rule about collaborative planning. All your lessons had to be planned collaboratively, and you had to present what you were going to be teaching in the next week, month, term. You had to give short-term, medium-term, and long-term planning presentations all the time. And at the beginning, I remember it being quite an onerous task, but that was where I learned the most, and that's where I developed the most as a teacher. Other things you can think about? You can look at finding short courses that target specific areas. Um, You can have a look at websites such as the tes.com website that will have a lot of resources for teachers. Um, There are a ton of other websites, but try to focus on one or two, particularly ones that are focused on the the curriculum or um, the context that you're working in. Or you could do a longer course during a break. You could do a one-month certificate in something like a CERT-TESOL or a CELTA course. Or you could um, take up a diploma in something. You could do a postgrad if you want to be really serious about it. Or you can join me for the next CERT-PT course that runs several times a year. Another thing that you can consider, and this goes with uh, collaborative planning, is peer observations. Most school settings will require some level of peer observation, and it's a very, very valuable uh, tool to use because you'll get so many insights. You see different styles of teaching, and I encourage people to observe teachers of different disciplines as well because there's so many skills that are required that you can use in your own classroom. Uh, I've learned a lot from music teachers and drama teachers, also from art teachers, and it brings in all of these interesting new ideas to my classroom
0: thank you so much kevin it's always so helpful to sit down and have these conversations with you and i so thank you for sharing these tips and inspiring ideas for
1: the listeners today well thank you very much for having me it's always great joining you for these
0: i know some of the listeners will be wanting to find out more about studying with you for the trinity college london certificate for practicing teachers or cert pt as we abbreviate it as where can they find out more about this
1: so you can find out more by contacting me or you can have a look at our company website english for asia's website is called hongkongtesol.com and if you have a look at the top you'll see that we have self-study courses which are our shorter courses that run for about 20 hours and they're fully self-accessed you can do them in your own time nice bite-sized learning Or you can have a look at the qualifications, which is our CERT TESOL, our CERT PT, and the diploma as well. And then if you want to come to any of our workshops, we run regular teacher development workshops, usually two a month. Some of them are uh, very affordable and some of them are free. So you're welcome to come to those and you get to meet me.
0: That's brilliant, thank you. As always, I will hyperlink Kevin's name to his LinkedIn profile and I'm going to include the link to the website he just mentioned there on the website as well. So go to teesalpop.com if you want to find those. As always, if you have a question or an idea to pitch, then you can get in touch with us via Facebook, Instagram or the website teesalpop.com. If you love what we do at Pop. Then you can support us by posting a rating review wherever you listen to podcasts, sharing content with your teaching community, or by even sponsoring our coffee break at ko forward slash TSOPOP.